hey, consider this a little bit of a warning that there's kind of a PG-13 word, I guess, that shows up in this episode. And we also talk about a set of romance novels that has some eh, kind of risque wordplay. So keep that in mind. Also, there's a surprising soundtrack that happens during the course of this episode. You'll understand what I mean. Nuclear. Now, is it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. So I didn't know about this before Kathy and Ross brought it to my attention, telling me what we were going to be talking about today. But I guess fairly recently there was a big fuss because Meghan Markle, uh, the Duchess of Sussex, is that right? Do I have that right? Is she still the Duchess or is she just like a person now? Uh, I get I, confused. They renounced, their, they renounced their titles, I thought. All right. Let me just say Meghan Markle then. Anyway, <laughs> she is starting a podcast network and wants to name it Archetypes. And she is seeking to trademark that word, archetypes. Now, I do want to say we're using this as a jumping off point. I think Meghan Markle specifically is roundly castigated and pilloried in the press, particularly the British press. And I don't think any of that's fair. We're not trying to pile on her specifically, but more we're talking about this idea of trademarking words. In this particular case, archetypes is the word that she's looking to trademark. She wants to call her podcast uh, that, archetypes. Yeah, and that raised a, a, an enormous uh, a hullabaloo, actually, to use another word, um, about the idea that can you trademark words? And in a way you can and in a way you can't, which we're going to get into right now. And I think Kathy and, and myself, both being uh, all of our grandparents were Greek, the word archetype is a Greek word, so we felt like, oh my gosh, he's taking over the word. But actually, it gets a little more complex than that, because trademarking, you're trademarking the use of the word in a specific situation. So it's not really as annoying as it may seem at first <laughs> I glance. have to interject, though. I'm going to go back a, quite a few years, and I remember Paris Hilton. I'm sorry, this is going kind of, this is a trajectory or a tangent, but whatever. Remember, she, apparently, because I never watched the show, she used to use the phrase, that's hot, all mm -hmm. the time. And she wanted to trademark the phrase, that's hot. And as I recall the trademark, because this was years ago, and I was going to be, was back when we did a book about celebrities and whatever. And I remember having to talk about it on some radio show. And the problem was that she actually wanted to trademark the phrase that's hot for use in everything from T-shirts to books to talking. And remember the mm -hmm. same thing with Donald Trump and you're fired. So I would yeah. argue that, like, yeah, technically you're only using it. I know I'm getting way off already. But, mm -hmm. but I mean, to some degree, just the notion of trademarking it usually is they just try to throw everything in there and hope that they can get away with it. They do. Kathy, you're right. They do. Thank you. But, <laughs> That's hot, Ross. <laughs> well, some yeah, actually, but some people do. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I want to say a couple things real quick before we go more deeply into this. First of all, I think the big hullabaloo about all of this is very much because it's Meghan Markle. I mean, people, the British press particularly is insane. Uh, and insane about her. And, and mm -hmm. it, I mean, th there's a reason that she and Harry live in the United States and, and 
have cut <laughs> yes. off, basically cut off ties with with the UK, right? And it's it, right. because of what they they do to her. I mean, among other things, but but what they do is is pretty obscene. And so, like the the big explosion about this, particularly, I think, has a lot to do with the fact that it's Meghan Markle, not so much that someone is trying to trademark the word archetypes. Now, what we're doing is talking about trademarking that word archetypes or or words more generally, but also I kind of want to defend people who are looking to trademark words in these contexts because yeah, you're going to do everything you possibly can to protect your brand. Exactly. Exactly. The question oh, I'm going to throw in one tiny little uh little addendum here. Um it's not only the English on archetype. The Greek Rather, a number of Greek newspapers were screaming at <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> and that's not because it's so, Meghan Markle. That's because yeah, it's a Greek not word. Not only do they Meghan Markle, you know, who cares? The problem is, I, I mean, I, I think one that's Greek an paper important them, point. The, uh, one Greek paper said, it's the dumbest and most audacious attempt at owning a word ever. So we do have a, a I, mound of I angry really, Greeks. I, I got to disagree with that. I'm sorry to the Greeks. It cannot possibly be the dumbest ever. <laughs> but it's a Greek. Well, You've got to get a little head up for right, a while. Right. <laughs> yeah, I would not go to the local Suvlaki place in the next couple of days, Fletcher, anyway. Okay. Having said all of these things, all, all these all these caveats and all of that let's let's jump into this okay what is like now the the key thing here we're talking about is your your fletcher is right you're trying to protect your brand let's say you have um a company that you may and may you make uh coffee cups now you cannot co- trademark the word coffee cup for your coffee cup company because coffee cup is a generic word everyone knows what a coffee cup is so we'll start with that. So in that sense, with Megan Markle, archetype. Now, how generic is archetype for a, a um, podcast show? That's a question that a trademarking uh, lawyer would ask. What do we think? What do you think about that? Just off the bat. I think it's not completely unreasonable in the context of naming your podcast to want to trademark the name archetypes. And uh, let me let me just say, uh, Ross is saying archetype. I'm saying archetypes. It, it is it, what she's trying to trademark, from what I can tell, is is the plural archetypes. Um, obviously, it, mm. but that's that's why we keep saying different words here. But um, wanting to name your podcast that it, and, and trademark that name in that context is mm-hmm. is not unreasonable, in my opinion. Okay. See, my problem is I I have a I mean. I have a problem with the concept of trademarking, but then I'm just not, I don't like a lot of business stuff, to be honest with you. Because I can understand if it's like a made up word. I get flicker. I'm thinking of the word flicker for, for the, because the, it's right in front of me right now on my, on my computer screen. F L I C K R. That's like spelled differently than the word flicker. So it's, it is what it is. It's its own thing. Google, for that matter, Kleenex, which we're going to talk about later. And words, of, But I think my problem is, is when it's a word that is widely used, there have been cases, and I, don't, I can't think of one off the top of my head, and I saw one recently. It was something like my something, my peanuts, and, and somebody had something that was my something, and the person said, I have trademarked the my with a food name, so you can't no, that- technically do it. I don't and think that's you can where do I that. get it. I think it gets stupid to be blunt. Let, let me go backwards for a second, though. Let's take a let's take a generic word called Apple. A P P L E. We all know what Apple is. It's a generic word referring to a certain uh, type of fruit from a certain type of plant or a various number of plants. 
Now, yet we do also know a trademarked word, Apple, with Apple computers. We also know another trademarked, an old trademark word, Apple uh, Records for the Beatles. Now, in both cases, I think Apple we have as a generic word, Apple, we know it. But in both cases, uh, the trademark, a trademark existed for a certain type of record company and a certain type of computer company. And in both cases, I think it's reasonable for Apple Computer to trademark Apple for the computer part of, of their company. Because if I come out with, you know, I have a, a bad little computer company here called Ross's Computer. I go, I'm going to change my name to Apple Computer, and I'm going to sell my computers for one-tenth of Apple's cost. Apple suffers business because people think my computer is an Apple computer. Right, but I can do the, wait a second, I can do Apple, um, I don't know, uh, uh, water. I can have a bottle yeah. of water. I can have a water company called Apple, right? Because it's not a computer. Right, okay. You, you can. And I think that's reasonable. I mean, so we have like, basically there are five categories of words that can be trademarked. We have generic, you can't do, it's pretty much we're saying it's tough. Descriptive, now, if we have like computer, computer company, I don't think that's very fair because other people make a generic computer as well. So then we get into words which sound, which are more reasonably trademarked. And this is like uh, a suggestive word. And I think in this case, that would come under suggestive as a category, which one lawyer at one time put up. For example, archetypes does suggest conversation about different kinds of people, but it's not like, uh, you know, the Duchess, Duchess of Sussex, she is still the Duchess, incidentally. I just looked it up. Uh, her, <laughs> it is, it's not her, it suggests discussions, but it's not saying I'm discussing stuff. It suggests it. And then mm -hmm. Kathy mentioned Flickr, which is arbitrary. It's just like, a, although Flickr is actually even more than arbitrary because it's an invented word. I'm saying, but something that's sort of arbitrary like Apple. Apple doesn't really have much to do with computers, so you can trademark it. I think those are reasonable cases. But you can trademark that. any of these. I mean, you, technically you can trademark a generic word. It's just that probably you're not going to get approval, mm -hmm. right? Well, you can, yeah. you can trademark anything you want, but I, you would never get an approval for a computer, computer company. Or, uh -huh. you know, you can't trademark computers for, for your own company because you everyone does it so I, you really can't trademark a generic term or the lawyers will stop you although because they're trying so many cases i mean i had seen an article and to be honest with you i didn't get through it because it's harvard law review and i got tired but um saying they were talking about how many trademarks uh applications there are for the word the which is a generic word. I mean, I mean, the is it pretty much as generic as you can get. Yeah, a I think beats it, but yeah, does it? I don't know. <laughs> I I completely agree with you. I think it's getting ridiculous. I, I think I'm arguing. I guess you could trademark it, but I doubt you'd ever get past uh, square one on that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. I think you're right, and I. I the other problem, Kath and I were talking about the other day, though, the problem is there was an article, another article in the Times saying that virtually everything now is trademarked. Mm -hmm. Everything is now monetized. And in effect, it's a little upsetting in a generic, broad sense, to use a uh, generic term, that like words are being monetized and taken over by companies. I just, intrinsically, I don't really like this. What do you guys think on that? Well, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, which is why, you know, we came up with this idea when we saw the article and just started talking about it. I, yeah, because I, I, I think we're ascribing like a monetary value to something that is, is everybody's. Yeah, I don't, I don't like mm -hmm. it. To be honest with you, and, and it's not because it's Meghan Markle, because I don't really give a damn about that. I mean, they seem like nice enough people, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know them personally, whatever. 
I don't, I don't, I mean, I understand it's your brand and you want to do this. And I understand this is the way things run nowadays. I don't like it. I still don't like it. Not because it's, I mean, anyone doing it. I don't care for it. I get it with Apple computer, but I think when it, it just seems so broad to say archetypes, it's just to me such a broad word. I mean, Apple is too, but you go back to that list, Ross, you had just done. Apple does nothing, has nothing to do with a computer really. So it is innovative. It's like clever. It's, it's, it's different. Archetypes to me is such a broad word that I don't know. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not making much sense because it, it's just sort of a, a, an odd concept to me. Well, that's where suggestive, though, the idea of a suggestive trademarked word comes into play. She's not saying conversations, which is clearly generic in the sense of like, you know, everyone has conversations. Everyone, you, you may have a show called Converse, I'm Conversing with So-and-So. She's not saying talk show. She's saying something that suggests um, archetype would su archetypes. Uh, you're right, it's plural. Would suggest a, a discussion of different kinds of people, but she's not saying different kinds of people. So I, I think it's a gray area, and that's what Kathy and I when we were doing a little research on this, trademarking words and talking about words in in business, etc., is very very uh, it's fuzzy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like, it's like law. I mean, there's a lot of give and take. What does this constitute uh, a trademarked word? Is this generic? Is it not generic? And we're going to go in later into idea words that basically were trademarked and, and became generic and the opposite case. I think a couple of things, I think, I assume that 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 fuzziness in trademark law is kind of on purpose because there are a lot of different there are many, many different scenarios that you can't even plan for. And to have a law, have law be vague in this case is actually kind of helpful sometimes because you can make determinations about specific cases instead of holding to the letter of whatever the law is. And that might actually be helpful in making determinations. It, kind of like with copyright law and fair use, it, the, the, mm -hmm. law, the law is pretty vague, uh, I think, on purpose because, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you, you can adapt to different situations. I've made my, my, my feelings pretty clear on this podcast about monetizing everything. I hate it. Mm -hmm. And, and if, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to zoom out, then, of course, yes, this is horrible. Like, monetizing everything in the world is awful. Monetizing words that everybody uses is terrible in the broader sense. Now, mm -hmm. in the, wor we, the world we live in is, is, is one in which we're monetizing everything. And, mm -hmm. and if that's the world we're operating in, then I have less of a problem with this sort of thing, with trying to trademark uh, a word like archetypes um, to in effect protect something that you are doing that is yours exactly and and, yeah. and as Ross said it may not work she may not be able to do it and and if that's mm -hmm. the determination then then you know okay figure something else out hey but the uh, the world we're living in it even, as much as I may hate you know the the structure that created that uh, I I don't I don't really have a problem with trying to protect your brand well this is though i've got to take it now the the study that i was talking about that is very dense and hard to read but i just have to read you some of the summaries of it was amazing these were now um uh two academics studied six all 6.7 million trademark applications that were filed wow. at the u.s patent and trademark office from 1985 to 2016 along with the 300,000 marks already registered and this is what stunned me so it's that's a lot 
Over 81% of the thousand most frequently used words in American English are registered as single word trademarks. That's just shocking to me. Yeah, it is. But again, we're going to go back into the fact that like Apple is a register is a word that's a registered trademark, but it's not restricting me from like uh, having a, a, you know, Ross's Apple books, uh, Apple books. It's not restricting me in that sense at all. I think I think, I mean, because they tend to, the problem though, is that a lot of times companies, the big company that owns that word will bully me. I have Apple books and I happen to sell some computer books with Apple books. And then, I mean, I'm not saying Apple did this, so I don't want to get get into trouble with Apple Corporation, but a lot of times a big company will then sue me and say I'm, I'm infringing on their trademark. I'm little Ross's Apple books. I can't, I can't fight them. Yeah. So that's another problem that like sort of what Kathy is saying, to be fair to, to that side of the coin, that's what also happens. Even if you can argue that, you know, legitimately are using Apple in this case, which is purely hypothetical, um, I can still have problems with trademark lawyers. And what can I do? I can't do anything. Mm. I, I can't go against a big corporation like that. And then I'm going to give up my name and I'll change my name. Yeah, and I think that's part of the 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 larger structure and all of that 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 I you know that I detest. M- most people can't pay to fight Apple's lawyers, so even if Apple is in the wrong, you might not be able to pay to fight against whatever they're bullying you about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's horrible. Although- I mean, it, it, I I mean, it, but that's again a, a a systemic issue as opposed to any specific word that somebody's trying to trademark uh, that I was, I was defending the idea of, of attempting to do that. You know, it, Although I, the opposite occurs to, oh, sorry, go on. Sorry, no, that's, all, that's all. That's all. That's <laughs> all. Talk, talk I got that. really excited because the opposite occurred too with meta, which uh, Facebook took over. Some guys had founded a company like, I think six or eight months before uh, it was meta. I think it was a computer company meta and they got paid, I think 20 million for the name. Mm-hmm. So, see, why doesn't that kind of thing ever happen to us? (laughs) (laughs) What I was going to say is, and this is slightly off off track, but it it fascinated me again. I'm going back to that study I read. They were saying, though, that the problem with so many regular names being trademarked is consumers, oddly enough, you're having more and more problems. They're running out of names, Mm -hmm. in effect, they're Mm -hmm. running out of stuff to use. And they're saying more and more people are making up like weird names, and that's not working anymore. And it, it, in effect, it, it's like it reminds me of like one of those like uh, remember it was a Twilight Zone years ago when the stars start going out in the sky after the big computer does something. Well, that was an Arthur like C. Clarke. Was an Arthur C. It was an Arthur, it was C. An Arthur C. Clarke story. story. Oh, okay. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, me too. But that's what it sort of seems like with like with the, with the rush to trademark everything for business purposes. You're running out of stuff to trademark, and then what happens? Although, have you did you guys read? Uh, it was a while back. There was an article in the Times on uh, naming. It was fascinating. Companies now, I mean, they're naming companies and they hire, and these are uh, people who um, literally use computers. This one guy was a Latin linguist, which is probably why I read it, but uh, he uses computers uh, and, and he names things. And apparently, like Kathy was talking about, there are literally uh, 500,000 businesses open each month in the U.S. and they all need names. And a lot of times, given the shortage of words, they hire naming uh, uh, consultants. Oh yeah, who, um, that's huge. And and who use literally like you know fricatives, uh, like they did something like FIP and FOP, 
which sounds faster. Fip, because the uh, eh is more to the front of your teeth. So fip, you would use for a brand name for, let's say, a sneaker company. Fop, you might use for a brand name for, a, I don't know, a lead company or something <laughs> like that, because that's a heavier sound to it. But they're doing all sorts of scientific studies, and they're literally creating a, a completely kind of, um, I mean, millions of new words or millions of new sounds. But I think it can get awfully confusing, as Kathy was saying, too. Well, remember when we did that? We did the um, we did the podcast quite a while ago about sounds and what. Remember, we're talking about sibilance and and this, this, and that, and what it, what it what it conveys. What and then yeah, it's true that sort of thing. But then you go back to again. I mean, the problem is sometimes you've got this thing that sounds like something, but it does. If it doesn't mean anything, what does it mean to the public? I mean, you, you, you remember who was it? Philip Moore? Who became Accenture or something like that? Which which oh, just so sounds. You're talking about Al- Al- Altria. Altria. Altria, yeah, which doesn't sound like anything. Mm-mm. I mean, I know they wanted to get away from the tobacco thing, but but I mean, I, I think in a weird way, when you're starting to come up with things that are nonsense words, it can, it can just sort of backfire by being just sort of this nothing whatever. Yeah, we've, you know? we've mentioned this before, but I think this is really distilled when we talk about um, pharmaceutical names. You can really, mm-hmm. you can really, really see this exact thing that we're talking about. I mean, the names are nonsense, but they're designed in very specific ways to make us feel certain mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. They are, they are. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I mean, and you know what this reminds me of? I'm thinking about, uh, you know, Kathy. You said that we're running out of words to trademark, and and now R- Ross, you've brought up how we're making up new words and new sounds that are complete nonsense to, to approximate other words. And it it reminds me of basically what human beings do with every other thing, which is to uh, strip every bit of the marrow out of every single resource. And then to Mm. create a synthetic version of that thing to approximate Mm -hmm. the thing that we destroyed. Wow. That is brilliant. I think that's a really good point. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You're right. I mean, you, we often do it. We often do it with the physical world, but we're doing it here with with language. Yeah, we're recapitulating. Uh, you know, hunter gatherers moving into society, then creating uh, agriculture, then strip mining it. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. now we got to do something. Okay. And... But what is? Although, does that mean that we're going to revert and soon be <laughs> back? I mean, that's like the thing that's frightening me now. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I wanted to throw in something, Kath. You want to talk about cocky bastard? This sort of moves into um, copyright as well. Did you do you know that story? Oh God, yeah. This is that thing about that um, romance novel. Were they? Yeah, because she... as writers, this really got us. So what do we okay. tell? What do you tell it, Kat? Yeah. There was a romance novel called Cocky Bastard by by. Are, are they Brits? Or are they are Australians? Like, I, don't, I don't. I think remember. Australian. I think um, everyone's anyway, Australian. Anyway, so they set off because of that. It was huge. This book was a huge title. So they set off a trend of other cocky titled books. And everybody and their and their aunt started writing books with the word cocky in it. One of whom was a self-published author, Felina Hopkins, who wrote a series of books with the word cocky in it. Uh, cocky cowboy, cocky roomie, cocky Mother's Day. She had nothing to do with cocky bastard. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. And she trademarked and got the trademark, so she was the only one who could write romance novels. So this was that nice specificity. She she was the only one who could write romance novels with the word cocky in the title, even though she was not the first to have used it. So then 
she did cease and desist. So then everybody filed petitions with the trademark office to say this is ludicrous. Right. Okay. And it was called Cockygate on Twitter. Hashtag Cockygate. Yes. She believed that she owned the word, period. And then she was sending out cease and desist letters. And many of them immediately complied and said, we're not going to do it. But it was an inv- they're saying it's invalid because you can't, there has to be something, it's what Ross said, to trademark a single word, there needs to be something unique about the word in association with the goods. Cocky is always used in romance novels, descriptive for arrogant characters, and any other sexual in- in- innuendo you wish to imply, which was obvious, thank you. Um, so they were saying it wasn't unique. So, um, so that's when, she, so it, it ended up, it wasn't, it didn't hold up when they got challenged. The Authors Guild and the Romance Writers challenged her and she lost. It was dismissed and she withdrew her trademark on cocky. But we go back to, again, this is like, I think, a, a, a really a point where you, you do see the notion of specificity being the crucial thing when it comes to trademarking a word. So then we go back to like the the cases, a lot of times from what I understand, were thes in very specific instances, which I still mm-hmm. don't quite understand, but that's fine. Well, I'm how, getting exhausted. How about this? I'll bet the band The The was able to trademark the band name The The. I'm sure. So. I would think I so. I bet so. I want to throw out something here just as a, as a parenthetical. Um, usually you can't copyright, uh, you can't trademark titles anyway. Book no. titles are almost always, uh, they're, co- they're, sub- they're you can't even really copyright them. You can copy a title very easily. Yeah, well, this is why I'm currently working on a book named Moby Dick. Um, <laughs> yeah. A cocky romances. <laughs> well, that's funny. I'm doing War and Peace, but you can. You can. <laughs> but the one, there's one little sort of thing that you can do. And apparently, I think that, I don't know if she has, but I think Harry Potter can be trademarked because it's a, it's a specific, in effect, it's a brand relating to a specific, very specific uh, type of book. So I think that can be done. But again, we're talking about very gray areas. Right, but exactly. usually you can copy a title anytime you want. Well, I'm wondering, I mean, could I, maybe not at this point, but could I at one point have also called my book The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Which I'm currently rereading. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I do every every couple of years, really. But, I mean, that's a very specific title, right? I wonder. That's actually a good question. I mean, But it started out, though, as as, as radio. So I'm wondering if it started out as radio, if that's the way around yeah. it, that you couldn't write a book that way. I don't know. I was just trying to think of a title that was very is- specific, but... The answer is you can't copyright a title ever. Okay. But you can trademark a title. Okay. So I think so I think in this case you might be able to trademark Hitchhiker's Guide. And you've got to prove we're going back to what you know Kathy was talking about specific and you've got to prove that. I think you could make a case for Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. I think you could probably make a real case for that. Cuz Kathy, remember a long time ago we were thinking about trying to do a trademark for one of our titles. Remember that? And we gave up because it was just too complicated. So. Yeah, I was like, I get anything legal, I just sort of go off again. <laughs> yeah, Come on, I, <laughs> I got to run, you know. I know. But there was another one that was recent. I mean, this is where it gets it gets so weird. In um, it was a while back. Disney wanted to trademark Day of the Dead, um, and 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 because of they were doing a film, a Pixar film, and then they said that um. Is there you a couldn't, is, is there a trumpet being played outside? Yes, I'm sorry. It's 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 
It's, I was hoping it didn't come through. It's Semana Santa here, Holy Week in, in, in Granada. And we live right around the corner. We have Santo Domingo Church on one end and the Comendadoras <laughs> Chapel on the other end. And they're going to do a big parade tonight. Yeah. And I think we have some of the crew out oh. there blowing a few horns. That's great. No, it, it adds a little uh, ambiance to all of this. <laughs> it. Yeah. Go, go, it's, go ahead. It's been it's 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 something here. This, I say, it's like you can't go anywhere. It's just like everyone is like carrying things and palms oh, and olive branches. Oh and, yeah, I mean, sure. That sounds yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, it's uh, big. <laughs> <laughs> but you but you were you were you were talking about Disney trying to trademark Day of the Dead. I do remember that. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. couldn't do it. I mean, I mean, I mean, and, and then here we go. I mean, trademarking like if it had been, uh, you know, Day of the Long Goodbye or something, probably they could get away with this as a, as a Pixar mm-hmm. film. But the fact that it is a popular holiday, Dia de los Muertos, it becomes a little problematic. So they couldn't. It's interesting because the opposite occurred with. I never really noticed this, but Super Bowl is a copyrighted term, and ads cannot <laughs> mention Super Bowl. I right. never really realized that. Uh, You'll hear them talk about big game or something like that, but yep. they will not say Super Bowl because it's a registered copyright. Just like March Madness, uh, I think that I think mm-hmm. I think that might have changed just recently. I think maybe you can say March Madness now. I'm I'm not. It seems like there's something that changed about that, but I could be wrong. Um, but but yeah, That's March Madness is the same thing. You you can't you can't or couldn't have used that specific term unless you were uh, the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking it up. They're saying, I don't know if it changed. Yeah, they're saying but March Madness uh, copyrighted. It's a it's a valuable asset fiercely protected by the NCAA, which makes sense. Registered back in 1989. Which is why a lot of times uh, magazines for writers, uh, we used to re- get Writer's Digest all the time. And they would have, and when we first started out, I didn't understand it. They'd have some article by a company talking about uh you know, when you're right, when your character uses uh, tissues and he wants to use Kleenex tissues, make sure you put the little, you know, registered R in the thing. And I thought, why are they bothering with that as they're trying to give us tips? But no, it's companies paying to make sure that their brand doesn't become genericized, doesn't become a generic term, and then they lose the copyright. Right, which is something that can happen. Now, copyright or trademark? Uh, trademark, I mean, I'm right. sorry. Thank yeah, you. again, trademark, this is yeah. hey, us not being lawyers uh, makes us <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, even, it's true. even a little extra confusing. But yeah, but that is something something that can happen as well, right? Your, your name can become essentially generic and you can lose that trademark. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Final Four is trademarked. I see now. I wouldn't have thought that. Sure. But Final Four is. Sure. But it's used. But the thing that gets you with that is it's not only used in context of basketball. So that just seems so odd. No, it is. I mean, it, it has to be, right? It's trademarked. When are you going to yeah, hear? Yeah, it's you, trademarked. When are you going to hear Final Four in any other place? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think you would. No, everything is the semifinals. Yeah, that's right. I'm just thinking, yeah. yeah. Huh. It's not something you really think about uh, until until you think about it and then you know if you start paying attention you'll you'll notice it's it's used very specifically yeah wow yeah i hadn't thought that that's sort of like kind of wow well i think next time we're going to talk uh i think we've really run out of time but next time we're going to talk about what fletcher just mentioned it's genericization or making brand names that become generic that enter into the language because they're generic and then we can also go into words that are shockingly trademarked. Like, I didn't know jacuzzi 
it's not generic. I, I didn't know the bubble. Oh, really? I That I knew. That's oh, interesting. Really? I always thought it was just called Oh, jacuzzi. no. Oh, really? Oh, no, 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 no. I knew that. And then bubble wrap. Bubble wrap flips me. But no, no, we're going to talk about this next time. Don't blow it, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, Kathy, uh, enjoy Holy Week. <laughs> it's like I, I it's 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 something it's a little trippy <laughs> this episode of you're saying it wrong has been produced by me fletcher powell help from beth golay and luann stevens in the studios of kmuw in wichita kansas you're saying it wrong is a worldwide affair kathy petrus records from her home in granada spain ross petrus from his home in toronto ontario in canada if you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or better yet, a review on your podcast platform of choice. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.